The following audio is from North Pine Baptist Church. We trust that this recording will help you learn more about God and His message for the world. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au. chapter 1, down at verse 1 and going through to verse 11. This is the word of the Lord, please. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. When he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him And while they were gazing into heaven, as he looked, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus whom you have taken up, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way that you saw him go. First week back into the swing of things. How was your holidays? Pretty good. We had a bit of a holiday. We were able to get away up the coast. We had a great time. Now, I don't know about you, but often on holidays we might try to do something significant as a family. Is that your normal practice? You might go visit a special spot or do something really intentional. We, as a family this year, watched the first three Star Wars. Now, sorry, the original episodes of Star Wars. And if you know Star Wars, you know there's something really distinct about Star Wars movies. And the, the distinct nature happens right at the start, the opening crawl. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Something about this opening crawl at the start of Star Wars movies is that they give a bit of info of what's gone before and let you know what's coming up. 
incredibly helpful. It means that I, as a father, don't have to try to remember everything that's already happened and tell the kids, oh, look, this is what's happened, and then we're in here for it. It's all there, right in front of you, right up front. Well, our passage in Acts 1 this morning is a bit like the opening prayer. See, it gives us information that points us to what's gone before and also gives us the information of what's going to come after. What has gone before is what Jesus began to do and teach. You see that right in verse 1. And this opening passage sets out what's going to come, something we can expect to follow in the book. That's what Jesus will continue to do and teach through his, through his Spirit. Now what's before our passage this morning is actually the Gospel of Luke. Now I know over December often people read through the Gospel of Luke. A chapter a day, 24 chapters, gets them to Christmas Eve, reading through the entire Gospel. Well if you flick back to Luke you'll notice that these are written by the same There's an obvious link between the end of Luke and the start of Acts. Acts picks up where Luke left off in his gospel. It finishes the account of Jesus' life, death and resurrection. And it'll show how the gospel message will spread through the world. Right the way through Luke's gospel, we have seen that Jesus is a picture of calm control. Even when things are blowing up around him, Jesus shows that he can trust his Father's faithfulness because God is in control. And this would be a, a source of encouragement for the believers and Jesus' followers in the past. As if events unfold around them, they too can take encouragement, knowing that they can trust in Jesus faithfully, because he is in control. When they are arrested, they can trust in Jesus faithfully, he is in control. When the church is scattered, they can trust in Jesus faithfulness, because he is in control. When they are faced with an empty pantry or an angry mob, they can trust in Jesus faithfully because he is in control. Our our message this morning is going to focus on Acts chapter 1 verse 8 because in this verse we find the mission of the church through two things. These things permeate right the way through the book of Acts. The first term, first is a term, witness. The word that is translated as witness, or martyr, it might be known in other places, is used 39 times through the book of Acts. That is significant. We see examples of this in places like Acts 2, Acts 3, 10 and 22. In Acts 2, Peter says, God has raised this Jesus to life. We are all witnesses of that fact. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country 
of the Jews and in Jerusalem by that evil time. In Acts 22, you will be his witnesses to all men of what you have seen and heard. The second theme we'll notice running through the book of Acts that we find in verse 8, however, is the progression of the gospel witness, the progression out of the gospel witness. It'll be in Jerusalem, then all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Structurally, the book of Acts is laid out this way. Chapters 1 to 7 focus on the gospel witness in Jerusalem. Chapters 8 to 11 in Judea and Samaria. Chapters 12 to 28, the end of the earth. The big idea that we are pointed to through this verse is that followers of Jesus are his witnesses throughout the world. We'll unpack that idea by looking at what it meant for Jesus' followers in Acts 1 before we then look at what it might mean for us as followers today. The first thing we notice is that their witness was to be an empowered witness. And you will receive power as a witness when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And Acts 1.8 then goes on to make it clear the purpose behind this power this empowering by the Holy Spirit, same spirit that empowered Jesus. The purpose behind it is so that followers of Jesus might be able to function as Jesus' witnesses. This is the same Holy Spirit, as I said, that was empowering Jesus to enable him to function as a witness to the Father. Look at some of the ways the New Testament show us that Jesus was the Father's witness. In John 1, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus says in John 12, the one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. Jesus again in, in John 14, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Colossians 1, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. The writer to the Hebrews, the Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. Jesus is the witness of the Father. Jesus reveals the Heavenly Father to the world. He tells and shows people how God the Father is truly like. And through Jesus, we can see that the Father is compassionate, loving, patient, and generous. We see he is faithful, powerful, personal, and pure. Likewise, Jesus' followers are empowered by the Spirit to function as Jesus' witnesses. They will tell and show people what Jesus is like. 
through the spirit of Jesus, the disciples were empowered to recall and proclaim the teachings of Jesus. In some cases, they were empowered to write scripture. At times, they were empowered to heal and perform miraculous signs. But the Spirit's empowering is not just so that Jesus' followers could do special things. The Spirit's power is also required to transform and sanctify people of respective people. People of moral Absolute love for God and a subsequent love for other people. And why did they need such a person in their lives? Why did the power of God have to go to work on the inside and not just on the outside? That's because Jesus is choosing his followers as his primary witnesses to the world around them. The world will see Jesus primarily through his people. See, it's not going to be through wonders performed in the natural world. It's not going to be a rearranging of the stars that points to Jesus. Nor will it be through an institutionary system or divine visions. No, the primary place where people would see Jesus So Jesus' followers can't just stand at a distance and point people to a fancy show. No, as Jesus witnessed, they were commissioned to be personally involved in people's lives. It is a personal witness. And what does that mean? When I think of a witness, my mind goes to the, the courtroom setting. And in a courtroom, I mean, I've watched some TV shows, so I know what happens in a courtroom. And from my understanding, a witness is, is summoned to give a testimony, to give account for what they've seen, what they know. The phrase might be words, tell us, might be used, tell us in your own words what you saw. Tell us in your own words what happened. And anyone can be called as a witness. It doesn't matter what their family or cultural background might be. It doesn't matter where they live or what they do for a job. What is important is what they have seen. first followers of Jesus were a diverse group. They were made up of traders, homemakers, business people, fishermen, tax agents, medical workers. They were representative of the people around them. They could talk and walk among people from all areas of society, sharing the good news of Jesus as they go. What is the good news that they were sharing? Well, firstly, that Jesus had died and is now alive. Verse 3. 
Jesus presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom. They also knew the scriptures pointed to Jesus' birth, life, death and resurrection, and that he was the way of salvation and relationship with God. See that back in Luke 24. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he, as Jesus, interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Down to verse 44. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to him, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the world, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Jesus was clear to his followers that as his witnesses, they needed to be willing to step out of their comfort zones. They needed to be uh, to get comfortable with discomfort. Because this wasn't just going to be a personal witness, it was also going to be a growing witness. And I can almost feel the oxygen being sucked out of the room by all the introverts who start to it's not me. Well, this just means that it's an outgoing witness. It's a witness that breaks new grounds and breaks down barriers. I mean, consider Peter. When he and John went before the Jewish council in Acts 2. Peter, the one-time deserter of Jesus, is now called to defend Jesus to the people who plotted his crucifixion. He is breaking new ground. Think also of Peter in Acts 10, who is being prepared to share the message of Jesus with those who were in prison. Through the work of the Holy Spirit, Peter sees the message of Jesus breaking down barriers and breaking new ground. Would you like to see that in your life? me at Jesus' prayer here to his believers in John 17, praying to the Father for his disciples, Jesus says, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world, and for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. And then he goes on, I do not ask for these only but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, 
that they may be one, even as we are one, by being in unity, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even to the end. So Jesus prays for the disciples gathered around him there, but he also prays for those who will come into faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, who will become his followers through the message, through their witness. And the commission is a commission for us as well, for us to be his witnesses throughout the world. And he sends his spirit to us to empower us so that we might be able to function as his witnesses throughout the world. To tell those around us in our own worlds what we know about him. Who he is, what he has done. We do this by opening the Bible with them. To help them to understand that the scriptures, that history points to Jesus. We show them in the scriptures that Jesus did in fact suffer and die. And on the third day he rose from the dead. And that forgiveness of sins is found in Jesus alone. But not only are we empowered to speak as followers of Jesus, we are also empowered to live as followers of Jesus. And we must live as followers. See, any witness of Jesus that is not empowered by the Holy Spirit is a false witness. Any message that is not empowered by the Holy Spirit is a false message. We need to live godly lives that reflect our Saviour. We need to live lives that grow and mature in holiness and faith-based dependence on God. Unfortunately, this is often a point where a witness can fall down. When the message and the messenger don't match. The validity of a witness's testimony is weighed up against the character of the witness. And the consistency of their message with the other evidence. Let me illustrate it this way. I'm a fairly average cook. In fact, as average cooks go, I would say I'm fairly average. I remember attempting to make bachelor's buttons one time. Now, bachelor's buttons are supposed to be biscuits that are tasting of sweet chocolate and honey. That's what the recipe says. Anyway, and that's what the picture seems to portray. That's not how mine tasted. The flavour was inconsistent with the expectation. And the fact of the matter is that no matter how good the recipe looked or sounded or how well it set it out, it doesn't matter how good the picture was supposed to look. The biscuit tastes bad with its dry flavour. It's the same with the life and character of followers of Jesus. Their message might sound good. 
but if their character and life is not true to the message, it's likely to be turned away. The character of the followers of Jesus should be consistent with and point to What does it mean for us to be a witness of Jesus? Well, it means sharing the character and the message that Jesus has, that he, who he is and what he has said with the people around us, around me, around you. To share the character of Jesus requires us to pursue godliness, to allow the Holy Spirit to transform and sanctify us into a people of moral purity, people of courage, people of conviction, people of absolute love for God and subsequent love for other people. To share the message of Jesus means believing in and telling of the good news of Jesus to others. One commentator offers these words. He says, to be a witness of Christ is to bring a message that is a marvel of simplicity. Jesus Christ is God come in the flesh. He died to pay for our sin. He was resurrected. Now he is exalted in heaven. He calls us to believe in him and so receive forgiveness of sins. This is witness. There is nothing to join, no system to find, just a person to receive and in him to believe. It's never simple. Are you prepared to be a witness of Jesus this week? Let's finish by asking how we God been saying something to you or challenging you about something this week? You might have been challenged about your view of the church and its mission in the world. Maybe you've had a view of the church's mission over the years that doesn't really require the Spirit's power or it doesn't really require us to be outwardly mobile. Maybe you've seen the role of being a witness of Jesus as lying in the hands of the specially gifted evangelists rather than something that could be part of everyday lifestyles. Have you identified an issue of character in your witness, an inconsistency in how your life testifies to the character Maybe you've thought of mission as something that is done by other people in other countries around the world and not something that is to be done by you in your neighbourhood. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, that can change anything. And it starts with prayer. It 
starts with seeking forgiveness of any sin that has been identified in your life. And it continues then with asking. Who are some people that you might have the opportunity to share the message of Jesus with? Some ways it might be able to help you identify these people. This is just to look at who are the people around you where you where you live, where you work or go to school, where you play that hobby, that sporting event. And of these people that you've identified, who are the ones that will actually listen to you? Who value what I say, who want to hear my view? go deeper still. Who of these people who are around me and who will listen to me would actually be willing to do something? Maybe they would be willing to loan you some of their stuff, loan you the mower, up a river, maybe. But maybe they will loan you something of their stuff. Maybe they will also give you their time. They'll help you with something. They'll support who are the people in your life that might participate? Could you be a personal witness of Jesus to them? Are you open to the Holy Spirit breaking new ground in your life and the lives of those around you? Let me encourage you. Let me urge you that you are to Let me encourage you that we can trust in Jesus' faithfulness because he is the faithful God. In a few moments, we're going to sing some songs. And I'd invite you to, to take that time as we sing together, to talk to God, to repent of anything you need to repent of, and to commit to being his witness. shows us what you have been doing through us. And it points us to your son. God, we thank you for your faithfulness to us. Your faithfulness to your promises. Your faithfulness to your word. Lord Jesus, we draw such words you shared with your followers this week. Lord, we thank you that we have this for us, so that not only can we see the great things of you, the great things that you do, but we can see your faithfulness. Every step of the way, so we can trust that you will be faithful to us. Lord, I pray for anyone this morning.
you'll be growing and changing in this family. It's your will. It's your way. Thanks for listening to this audio from North Pine Baptist Church. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au.